Don't want to work forever? Once you can cover your living expenses with passive income, your day job becomes optional and you reach financial independence. You then have complete control over your time, your money, and your life in general. Spark Rental founders Denny Suplee and Brian Davis, me, are here to help you build rental income, ditch your day job, and do what matters most to you. So on that note, let's jump into today's episode, which, like all of our episodes, was recorded live. Hey guys, Brian Davis from Spark Rental here. Super excited to be with you. And I am pumped to be joined today by Jim Pfeiffer. He is the co-founder of Left Field Investors, an experienced real estate investor who has a passion for passive investing in real estate like myself. So Jim, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on. Glad to be here. Absolutely. So I want to start at the very beginning of your real estate investing journey because I think you uh, you and I got into this uh, with <laughs> with similar visions and intentions, but you know, life throws some curveballs at you. So yeah, take us back to the very beginning. Let's hear about how you got started in real estate investing. Well, I, I was an accidental landlord. It was not on purpose. We uh, built a house in 2008 and <laughs> uh, not very good timing, could not sell our old house. And so we had to rent it out and did that for five years. I absolutely hated it because I was the property manager and, you know, they took great care of the house, but you know, it was always, you know, something I had to go fix something and I don't fix stuff. So after five <laughs> years, when the market changed, I decided I'm selling this. I like the financial aspects of it, but I did not like the management. And my realtor said, well, you have this house paid off. How about instead of selling it, you um, get a loan on it, take the proceeds and buy two more rentals. I'll help you buy and I'll manage them for you. And I thought, wow, that, that sounds great. I didn't know someone else could manage them. I didn't, you know, I didn't know any of this stuff. So basically I turned one asset that was paid off. So there was no, you know, there's no upside to that equity because equity in a house earns 0% return. Right. Um, and I turned one asset that had one income coming into three assets, leveraged assets that had income coming in. And then it was off, off to the races. I found, oh my gosh, this is awesome. But I think seven or eight more single family properties than I thought, well, one door is great. So multifamily, you know, let's get four doors. That would be phenomenal, but I couldn't find a four unit. So we bought a 22 unit <laughs> and um, yeah, that was too much. And then we bought another eight and four and I, uh, we made a lot of money on these when we ended up selling them, but I was a terrible asset manager. I was, they never went to pro forma. They never cash flowed like I wanted them to. I was just saved by appreciation, which is not how real estate is supposed to go. But I got the bug and then I found passive real estate syndication investing. And I realized I could hire a professional asset manager to do the job for me. And then I, yeah, that's why when we sold all of our active real estate and we went 100% passive. Well, you covered a ton of ground there in a, in a <laughs> short period of time, which I love. But I want to dig into some of that a little bit deeper. So you you were buying single family rental properties. You know, most of the people listening to this show, you know, they're they're familiar with that routine. Um, maybe they love it, maybe they don't. Uh, I hated being a landlord like yourself. Yeah. Um, but one of the things that a lot of our listeners have not done is made that jump from residential properties, you know, the one to four unit properties, up to commercially zoned properties with five or more units. So. Tell us about that jump that you made from single family rentals all the way up to a 22 unit apartment building. Cause that's, that's a difficult transition for a lot of people. 
Yeah, it was not intentional. I can't claim that I knew what I was doing. I just had a a realtor. Well, my initial realtor who sold me the first three uh, single families said multifamily is a disaster. Don't do it. It's a huge mistake. And so I went and found a different realtor because I wanted to do it anyway. Um, <laughs> and so I, I thought I was going to get a four unit, but we found this 22 unit. The guy wanted to show me. And every step of the way, I kept saying no. I kept saying no. And, and I said, okay, we'll go into contract. And he said, but you can you can drop out of contract. It's not like a residential. If you don't like the color of the paint, you can just end the contract. So I'm like, okay, there's no risk here. So every step of the way, I kept asking for more. Um, I cut the price. I asked them to repair stuff. And everything I did, they said yes. And then at the end, I just found, oh, gosh, I guess we're really going to buy this. And um, <laughs> And we did, it, it, and you know, like I said, it was it was a C class property, so it was really tough to manage. I was constantly fighting with the property manager to not evict tenants because I I wanted the cash flow, not realizing that you know that cash flow was was coming at a cost of having bad tenants, and so it was right. just a battle the whole time. I think we owned it three years. It more than doubled in value, but when I sold it, the best part about the sale was I sold it to somebody, a friend of mine who was really good at this kind of thing. And I knew that he would then take it and double the, the value in another year. I just didn't have it in me. And that's what he did. He took it over. He evicted who needed evicting. He did all the work. He had the work crews. And he doubled the value again in less than a year. And that's a win-win, right? That's what I love about real estate. I knew I wasn't equipped to do what he was going to do. He knew how to scale it and do it correctly. And so I made the money I wanted to make. And then I was able to sell it to somebody who also made money on it as well. And that's just one of the things I like about real estate. But the multifamily step, I went too big. I should have done the four unit and just see, saw how that went. Instead, right. I went 22, then eight, then four, slowly getting smaller and smaller. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I wouldn't recommend it. If I would, had known passive investing and syndications were available, I mean, I'm glad I learned the lessons I learned. Um, and I was fortunate to make money just because of dumb luck. Um, the market did it for me. But you know, I guess it's part of the journey, right? It is. And, you know, I have made all kinds of bad investments in my day. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, among real estate, among stocks. So, yeah, you know, no judgment from me. And at least you made money. I, a lot of right, my investments that, did not make money. <laughs> yeah, that's the bonus. I, I did. I did something stupid, but I made money. So I guess it's OK. <laughs> well, you know, that that story illustrates to me that concept of the cost of, of headaches. And of, of hassles, right? With with active investing, um, and you you have to kind of take that into account when you are thinking about returns in general. Uh, you know, so you had this this asset that you know it sounds like cash flowed reasonably well, and it certainly appreciated well. You know, doubling in value over three years, uh, but it sounds like it was a nightmare the entire time you owned it. So you know, how do you calculate the the cost of, of all those those headaches? Uh, you know, all those sleepless nights. To me, that is one of the the huge advantages in passive real estate investing is you don't have any of those headaches. Uh, now, you, you still have risk, of course, and you still have some other uh, downsides or, or things to be aware of. But uh, you know, let's let's switch over to talking about passive investing. Let's talk about why you made that switch to begin with. Uh, you know what it is that you love about real estate syndications and other types of passive real estate investments. Yeah, you know, I, I went to a, a real estate seminar put on by the radio guys or whatever their name is. Anyway, it was about how to become a syndicator. And I, so I went to that thinking, you know, it hadn't sunk in yet that I was a bad asset manager. So I went, <laughs> but after about five minutes, I realized, oh, I want to be this thing they're calling LPs because I didn't really know that was an option. 
And once I learned about that, I thought, oh man, this is it. So I just jumped in and I, I did it exactly wrong, just like I did the other stuff. I was at this conference. I realized I wanted to be a passive investor. I had a an old 401k rollover that was burning a hole in my pocket. So every operator I met, it seems like at that seminar, I said, hey, can I invest with you? Here's a hundred grand, here's 50 grand. And I just assumed that if you're at a conference that you must be awesome, right? Because you were invited there. And I've learned otherwise now. That's where everybody just shows up. You still have to do your due diligence. So some of those deals were okay. Others are not so much. A couple are good. Um, but that was my start. And since then, I've learned a lot, right, with the community we started and all that. So I've learned how to be better. But the, the bottom line is the question you ask is, what do I like about it? And it's that I can hire a professional asset manager who their only job is to you know, manage multifamily properties or self-storage or whatever asset class, that is all they do all day long. So they're professionals. So they're going to do it a lot better than I will, right? And so unless, I think if you want to be an active investor, you have to have some kind of advantage that no one else has. You know the market better. You swing a hammer better than anybody else. You can do it more cost-effectively, something. I didn't have any of that. But what I can do is I can crunch numbers and I can evaluate people and and then I can invest in them and have them run the asset. So you have to be the kind of person that's willing to let someone else take your money and run with it in a good way, right? Manage an asset. Um, but I, I just kind of looked at my strengths and weaknesses and thought, well, you know, I want to be in real estate. I know why it makes sense. I'm I'm pretty good at the financial stuff. I just don't want to deal with, you know, the toilets, tenants, termites that everybody talks about. And so I found a way that I could still be in real estate and not deal with those things. And so that was really uh, compelling to me. Well, you know, it shows a level of wisdom that you were able to look yourself in the mirror and be honest with yourself about your your strengths and weaknesses. You know, when I first got into real estate investing in my early to mid 20s, I certainly did not have that kind of wisdom. Um, you know, I didn't even get any help. You know, I was young and dumb and and overconfident, hubris of youth. You know, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to do this on my own and you know, and I don't need anyone else and of course I made every mistake in the book and it was super expensive. <laughs> uh, yeah. So kudos to you for just recognizing your own limitations and what you are not as good at and then delegating that to someone else. And I, I think delegating is a hard thing. It's hard for entrepreneurs. It's hard for investors. Um, and of course, real estate investors, at least active real estate investors, you know, flippers, rental investors, they are entrepreneurs in their own way. Uh, even if they don't have any employees, they're, they're still in business, you know, on the side of their full-time job going out and buying properties. Um, so I love that notion that you had of, I'm going to delegate the asset management to a professional. Uh, and that's that's another level beyond delegating the property management, right? Which you had already been doing. So, I love that. Um, what what are some of your favorite uh, investment property classes right now? What, what are you excited about right now as you as um, a passive real estate investor? Yeah, I think I think right now I'm I'm a little bit cautious, but um, you know I think I think some interesting stuff is is coming up. So right now I really like debt is is very interesting to me um you know i do some private lending but i also do some syndicated debt opportunities things that have um quick paybacks like the atm machine funds um i do like those and then you know i think multifamily always has a space but i'm very cautious 
in in that asset class because of all the things that have happened. Now the big rage is ooh, distressed assets. And I think I, you got to be very cautious on that, but there there is a place for that as well. You just need to really know the operator, I think is key there. Well, you know, that ties into a question that, that I've actually, I've been quite excited to ask you is what are some of the risks that you see in today's real estate market? And in particular in multifamily or in, in, you know, larger commercial properties, you know, in the real estate syndication market, what are some of the risks that you see out there that not enough people are talking about? And, you know, the easy example is two years ago, we all should have been more worried about interest rate risk, right? I mean, interest rates were super low. They had been low really for decades. No one was talking about the the possibility that interest rates could go up and they could go up quite fast. Uh, and of course, that led to a lot of people going out and borrowing adjustable rate debt, not buying interest rate caps or any of those uh, protections. So now, of course, everyone's talking about that. But what are some of the risks that you see now that people aren't talking about, but that are very real risks for passive real estate investors? I think patience is, is important. And one of the things that I see is everyone is really fired up about distressed real estate. As soon as it comes, we're just going to jump in and, and make tons of money. And I, in fact, I just said, hey, let's look out for that, right? There's a positive. I will also spin it into the negative. You know, there are some of these deals that I've invested in that didn't turn out because I was so confident and the operators were confident that they could keep flipping multifamily real estate and interest rates. The, the increase wasn't the worst part. The worst part was the pace of the increase, right? And that's what caught everybody off guard. So now some of these deals aren't working out and they're back on the market and another syndicator is buying them. And then they you come by and you see, oh, there's the property I own. And now another operator is, is selling it. Well, you know, you, you, and, and you probably lost money maybe on the sell or you will, but because it, it's still not in contract and all that. But I think my, my caution is don't think that, hey, a new operator is, is running it and they're going to do things better and jump right back in on the same property because you just lost money. So now you want to get your money back and double down on that property. And that is a risk. And if you analyze and understand it and you're with the right operator, go for it. But I think some people are so jazzed up to find this distressed real estate and to make money back that they might have lost that they're not really thinking carefully about what that means that it's distressed. And maybe there's underlying things that you don't know, even though you just owned the property, that just because it's distressed or worse, just because someone markets it as distressed, you know, that doesn't mean that it's it's going to be a good investment for you. So I don't know if I know, you know, I, I can't see the future, guess what the um, risks are going to be. It's going to be, ask me in two years, I'll tell you what they were. That's right. easy. <laughs> but what I'm trying to do is just be a lot more patient and recognize that I made some mistakes in thinking that something that was repeatable before is going to be repeatable again, meaning these super low interest rates, we can flip deals in two to three years. I just recommend be much more patient and don't think that just because it worked before it worked now, also, the operator is more important than ever. The risk is these new operators, some of them are great, but some of them, they haven't had the, the difficulties. And so they might not know how to get through it. Others, then you have experienced operators who had all the difficulties and got through them 10 years ago, and this time they failed. So I think spreading your risk and not being too confident is what I would do. And by spreading your risk, diversify by operator market asset class. I was saying that three years ago, but I didn't, I didn't do it enough. So now I'm doing it even more. So I'm not sure if that answered the question, but that's kind of how I'm looking at things. 
Yeah, no, that makes sense. That's one of the things that we do in our co-investing club is spread our money among a lot more deals, right? In in different states, different cities, with different operators, uh, different property classes, and you know types of properties. Um, because, like you said, you know, I, I, my crystal ball is no clearer than anyone else's. Uh, but the law of averages will kick in at a certain point, and uh, you know, if I have my money spread among enough different types of deals in enough markets with enough operators, you know, I'll probably be okay you know, averaged across all of those different investments, even though some of them will inevitably underperform, right? And that's just, right. uh, that happens with any kind of investments. Um, it's why I invest in in passive index funds for my stock investments, right? Right, yeah, <laughs> so, absolutely. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, so Jim, I wanna hear about Left Field Investors that you, you co-founded. Um, you guys are in a, a similar space as us, but you are not direct competitors or anything. Uh, you know, I'd love to hear about what you know what you guys are. You know, how you were started, or you know how how Left Foot Investors got started, and then how you've evolved over the last few years. Yeah, we're uh, we joke about it, but we're a pandemic baby. Uh, we were supposed <laughs> to be a a twelve person dinner club in Columbus, Ohio, where we could just kind of have a, our own little mastermind. And uh, our first meeting was supposed to be March eighteenth, two thousand twenty, and. Uh, <laughs> So we we didn't have that meeting. Uh, we went online. And the great thing about being online is then we could get people outside of Columbus. Um, everyone was sitting at home with nothing to do. So we got some really high profile guests to come and, and teach us. And, you know, we, we've spent the first year really trying to restrict the numbers. I don't want to go over 20. I don't want to go over 50. Right now we're at 1,800. So that's blown out the window. But the purpose of, of the community, what it's grown into is we provide education, a network, and some deal flow to people who are interested in, you know, financial freedom. And, and that's our goal. We have people that are, haven't gotten in a deal yet are part of our community. We have people who are in 100 or 200 deals, and they're part of our community. And the goal is if you go out your front door and you talk to your neighbors and you say, hey, let's talk about personal finance, they're going to say, I got this interest rate on my mortgage. I put money in my 401k. And I'm, you know, in index funds, right? That's it. And then you're going to say, oh, I do this. I do real estate syndications. And they're going to look at you like you, you came from another planet. And they're <laughs> going to, the only thing they're going to know for sure is you just said real estate, which is super dangerous and syndications, which sounds illegal, right? So you got no one to talk to. I don't think you can be a successful LP investor without a community with, because that's where you get knowledge, right? You have your community. We have ours. We work together, right? We're partnering on things now. And it's all about that community because you need knowledge. And, you know, Chad Ackerman, one of our co-founders, he heard me talk five years ago or maybe four years ago. And he said, hey, how long did it take you to achieve financial freedom through syndication investing? And I said, five years. And he said, I'm going to do it in three because I'm going to learn from your mistakes. And you know what? He, Fair is, enough. he, he did it. He is now, he quit <laughs> his regular job. He was dumb enough to start a new job. Uh, now he works for left field investors. So he's still a full-time employee, but he works for himself. Right. Um, so he ditched the W2 in three years. And the point of that isn't that, Oh, Hey, great job, Chad. It was three years. The point is he used the community, the mistakes that, that I made and the collective mistakes that others in our community have made to shortcut the process and get it done in three years. Right. He bought two years of time by joining a community. And you can't get that anywhere else, right? And again, you don't have to be in left field investors. You don't have to be in your community, but join some kind of community that matches the, the culture of the community, matches your personality. And that is the path to success, I believe. Well, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, it was just a few minutes ago that I told you about how, you know, when I was in my 20s, 
I was foolish enough to try to go it alone and do it all myself. And guess what? I made every mistake in the book, right? <laughs> Uh, mistakes that I could have easily avoided if I had gotten a mentor or a senior partner or just you know, any kind of coach or someone who had done it before. <laughs> Absolutely, uh, yes. When when I had not. So, you know, just that humility and that willingness to uh, listen to other people who have, have gone before you, uh, get some ideas from those people, learn from their mistakes. Uh, you can shortcut that path to financial independence, which we talk about all the time uh, here on on this podcast on SparkRental.com, you know we're, we're big on financial independence, um, but you know to your point about Chad, uh, it's more about living your ideal life and doing your ideal work than it is about going and sitting on a beach somewhere sipping pina coladas because uh, that gets yeah. boring pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, Jim, how can people connect with you and learn more about left field investors if they're interested in uh, joining your community or or you know accessing some of your educational materials? Yeah, go to leftfieldinvestors.com. Um, there's a couple different membership levels, but there's lots of free content on on the website. And then if you want to dig a little bit deeper, you can join our paid community. It's 199 bucks a year. Um, and then you'll be a, an infielder and, and get access to all of our deal flow and our infielder or forum where people are talking about deals and operators and all that. And, you know, we also, uh, we do calls with, with people who just want to learn more about it. So you can uh, set that up. There's a a button somewhere on the website that says connect with us, or you can send me an email, Jim at leftfieldinvestors.com. I'd be happy to, to chat with anybody who wants to learn more. Awesome. Well, Tim, thank you so much for coming on today. This was a lot of fun. And uh, I'm sure that a lot of our, our listeners are going to go check you out because I, I personally love what you guys have been doing. Uh, and I know well, they, they will too. So thanks again. Awesome. Thank you, Brian. Absolutely. Well, we will catch you guys next Tuesday at the same time, 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific. Uh, and if you have any questions, comments, let us know. Support us at Please rate and review the show if you've enjoyed these conversations that we have. And we'll catch you on the flip side. Bye now. Did you know we offer a free eight-video course on how to reach financial independence with real estate? It's super bingeable with each video around 10 minutes long, but packed with information. Visit sparkrental.com slash learn for instant access. And please don't forget to rate and review our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. Thanks for joining us. And we will catch you on the flip side.